Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kobar, and with me, I've got my good friend, Kyoshi Tom Clifford. How are you today, sir? Fantastic. Great to be here. So right before we went live, I have to say both of us had our glasses on, and I go, oh, we're about to go live. My vanity required that I pull them off, and then, of course, you took yours off as well. What's up with that, man? I can't see a darn thing, <laughs> but, I, but I feel younger. <laughs> so a um, little background, uh, Kyoshi Tom and I have known each other for over 30 years uh, through martial arts. Uh, I met him in, I think, Syracuse uh, in about 1990. That, does that sound about right to you? Yes. yes. Yep, at, a, at an event in, in Syracuse, New York. And at the time, that was 30 years ago, you were just a young 20-something-year-old. And, yes, and I was a very mature 31-year-old or something, you know, yes. uh, you know, 30-year-old. And uh, uh and I uh, and just we just hit it off and uh, kind of thought alike and had similar inspirations and similar uh, what aspirations I guess and yes, and uh, we've just you know stayed in contact all these years and and Kyoshi Tom is a a really well incredibly uh, uh, versatile martial artist uh, originally I uh, like Kaju Kempo Kempo lineage a lot of Filipino weaponry spent been to China a bunch of times to do kung fu. Uh, started jujitsu in the '90s and and still practicing all of it. Is that right? Yes, sir. We love it all. You know. Yes, that, sir. I think when we first met, there was you know, from my perspective, we had uh, enough in common and enough in contrast to create an unbreakable bond. You know, and I think that uh, that our similarities and our differences mm -hmm. have uh, have kept that relationship rock solid for for all of these decades now. Yeah, yeah, we have spent. We've had the privilege of spending a lot of time together, and we call it. Um, I call it uh, in our group of our. Uh, 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 we're just going to be casual here with the labels. Tom is a uh, uh, part of our ascend group, and our ascend group is our uh, a mastermind group, and he's he's the uh, he's been such a, a support in our in our coaching division. And he's kind of the absentee default de facto guy that steps in and, and takes the helm and and uh and we call it amongst the ascend team and other people that know we call him cliffordisms he's got all these like little gems of wisdom and and although your formal education is is not very substantial like i mean i mean you you clearly graduated from high school correct uh, yeah and then you know what but but i say no not a lot of formal education after that you're one of the most uh, uh like like educated guys that i know in so many different areas you know in areas of of you know personal development and of course martial arts and and your your understanding of nutrition and vitamins and supplements it's it's really off the hook so you you've taken it upon yourself to you know to keep the learning curve going so what's kind of Absolutely. how has that happened you know and i know you don't really like to read that much uh is that fair to say a lot of audio you know my okay. reading is i i let others read for me and i listen <laughs> and and that's that's helped in a lot of ways because uh most of our delivery in the classroom is is spoken it's we're not reading to people we're speaking with them so uh, audio books have been tremendously beneficial not only in in gleaning a lot of great information but being able to listen to people speak passionately about their subject matter even though the, you know even though they're reading it it's not the same as a podcast where they're a little more spontaneous right i find the audit the uh you know the audio medium and format has given me an advantage so i i like that i i do some reading some of the conventional type but most of it's been through audiobooks so a tremendous it, library in the process so what would you say like uh 
you know, you know, what, what is, who has influenced you? What, what, what books have you read? What audios have you listened to that really like, like made a difference for you? Well, before, before the authors, you know, I've had, I've been very fortunate. Like I've had, um, a large number of mentors in my life, obviously yourself included, Mr. John Kokinos, you know, I, I put you guys on the, uh, you know, up on the top of the list. You know, I have a flat top of the list, but I have quite, you know, I've amassed a council of mentors over the years. So, uh, you know, really my inf- the influence in my life from them, yourself included, has been primary and the authors have been secondary, but I love Stephen Covey. You know, Dr. Covey's a, a huge influence in my, uh, in my academic learning, uh, everyone's an Anthony Robbins fan, whether they realize it or not. You know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of times people don't realize they're being influenced by his body of work, but it's it's once or twice removed. Um, yep. You know, I, I like Kiyosaki, Jim Rohn. Um, you know, my my library's kind of long, but Covey is uh, is the foundation of it all. Doctor Covey. It. The backbone, the foundation, the the spine of it all. So you know, if and anybody that has not read, like his core work would be Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. That's just like a must, not just a must read. That's like a bedside book. That's one that someone, a guy, ought to pull out uh, every year and reread. It's just it's, over and it's over just, again. Yes, for a lifetime. And what's interesting about that is that I'm speaking. I haven't read it for a couple of years, so I need to get back at it. Is that anytime you read that book? you're at a different place in your life. So it speaks to you differently. So it never gets old. Yeah. And I, you know, I equate that with when I show up at Promac and a lot of times there's this idea that we're going to review X, Y, and Z, but the way you present it, we always end up with uh it, it's not really a review. It's a, a renew of X, Y, and Z, whatever the material is, is you have a, an uncanny way of um, of not just dusting off and polishing the material, but you you make it better than ever. So, it, you know, you've changed. So your material changes as you change in your delivery. And then we, as the recipient of your delivery, we've changed as well. So, you know, let's take the uh, eight-step progress check, for example. So I'm just going to make a comment. So when, when Tom's talking about ProMac, that's Professional Martial Arts College. That's our business group they get together several times a year. So go ahead. Yes. yes. So when you're presenting, it's it's always unique. It's always different. It's always – it's each time better than the last. It's this Kaizen idea. It's this habit seven of sharpening the saw or the sword or the scalpel. So it's, it's not boring. You know, it's sometimes – we have to ask ourselves the question, are we not paying attention because it's boring or is it boring because we're not paying attention? Great question. And when we give ourselves uh, our awareness, our awareness to ourselves and to someone else, we see things differently. We see mm-hmm. things from a level of maturity and age and a stage that we're not now at rather than where we once were. So so I've never, I think I missed one Promac. Yeah, I think... 
I haven't forgiven you from it for 20 years. Yeah, I haven't still I, haven't forgiven I haven't you, but we'll get over it. Myself. I haven't yeah. forgiven myself. <laughs> hey, hey, uh so so switching gears a little bit, and I, I want to talk about several subjects with you, but I want to start out but just kind of general. And there's a lot of people that that listen to the podcast that are school owners, but there's a lot of just general people, maybe they have an interest in martial arts and yes, and uh, uh and, and health and uh fitness and all that. But you are are now, you know, you've been actively trained your whole life. Uh you're in your mid fifties, 52. Yeah. 52. 52 creeping up on your early fifties and, and uh, you're still able to train at a pretty high level and that doesn't happen on accident. So give me kind of your outlook on, on what it takes to, you know, physically be at your best at 52. So what I, what I avoid is, is, you know, honey, I'm going to my self-destruction class. I'll be back in an hour. Um, you know, when I was in my teens and twenties, I was able to go to my self-destruction class <laughs> and and uh, not only survive but arguably thrive. But those days are done. You know, so, those things are done. So I, I'm I'm having to interpret a little bit for those non-martial. What he's referring to, I think, is what would be most people might say a self-defense class. You're going to train, and and uh, instead of a training, so you won't get hurt, but in the process, uh, sometimes you yeah. get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I want I want my self-defense to be to revolve around self-improvement and not self-destruction. So it, it it has to be it has to be good for me. You know, I'll, I'll use the uh the peak the class 1 experience of Anthony Robbins. It's it feels good, it's good for me, good for others and serves the greater good. Now, interestingly, martial arts doesn't always feel good. Mhm. But if I do it right, it's always good for me, good for others, and serves the greater good. Now, I've decided that it always feels good, but a lot of times that's just my rationalizing way, the temporary pain I'm in, that I'm in. But there's pain that leads to progress, and there's pain that leads to problems. A big part of our responsibility is to know the difference between the two. So I'm, I'm very willing to endure the pain that leads to progress. But I'm very cautious about the pain that leads to problems. It's such a good distinction. You know, it's often I've had given the talk to, to students, kids even, and adults as well, about the difference between pain and injury, you know. And, and uh, you know, for example, you know, you twist your ankle and it swells up and it's twice the size of normal. You don't keep training. You take care of it, right? Yes. But, yes. hey, man, you're, you're, you're you know, you're. You're you're out of breath, or your arms are tired. You're fatigued. Well, that's 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 just pain, and that's that's making you stronger. And as you know, I mean, I think Hicks and Gracie said it, but it's probably been said a lot of different ways. Is that to get be comfortable being uncomfortable? Yes. And and I, I know there's so many lessons that you don't just need martial arts to do that. You know, like you can do that in the gym or as well. But our ability to endure, so to speak. But to your point, to endure not not at the risk of hurting ourselves. Yeah, so it, when I look at there's a there's a lot of wonderful training methods out there. There's a lot of great training methods. You and I love. I don't. I can't think of a martial art that you and I don't love. You know, I don't think we've ever had a conversation where we talk about a martial art in a disparaging way. We we right. in a almost like at a level of gluttony. We love them all. We can't do them all. Yeah. And, you sort of do, but I, I, I cannot. But you know what I mean. I mean, we love them all. Um, but some methodologies are less forgiving than others. 
Mm -hmm. And some of them, I, I believe, my personal opinion is they're age and stage relevant and age and stage specific. So my background in Chinese martial arts, I did a tremendous amount of long fist. And I know some old cats that can still do long fist. I train with some people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s in you know Beijing, Nanjing, Shanghai, Tianjin, who were able to still do their long fist. And, but they were outliers. Right. Most of them would graduate or gravitate toward Xingyi, Taiji, Bagua, Liu, Bafa, uh, have their training more Qigong-centric, mm -hmm. et cetera. And I think that's wise. I think it's wise. And I think the same thing goes for other training modalities where uh, as we change, the training ought to as well. I don't want to be in the very best shape of my life for the last time. So, like, I love CrossFit. I, I, I love the way it looks, but I, but I don't do it. And I know guys my age who do it, and they do it safely and intelligently. But I do know a lot of people who train in that manner only to get into the very best shape of their lives for the very last time. Mm -hmm. And there's a danger to that. And I'm not, that's not the method. That's not CrossFit. But it's perhaps an, an erroneous approach. So and there, there comes a point where the no pain, no gain can get really dangerous. And to your point, what I see at CrossFit, I also have a great deal of respect. And when I was training for an event, I, I had a personal track CrossFit trainer that I worked with for about six months. And, and uh, it is that, that what you look for if you are doing CrossFit is look for – and if you're if you're a young guy, you can probably get away with a young trainer. But if you're if you're not a young guy, you don't find the 24 year old at the peak of his prime and and he have him be your coach because he doesn't understand. He doesn't have enough life experience to realize. Okay, stuff breaks down. You you got to train differently when you're older, and 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 that's why you know you got to really temper that training. I think your point. You know, for me, uh, you know, it, it's the 80 percent rule, and what that means is is that I I rarely, if ever, train to fatigue, whether it be in martial arts or resistance training or running or it doesn't matter. It's like I uh, I try to always stop when I have 20 percent left in my tank. Now, if I was competing for an event of some kind. I might need to really push a little bit more if I got a fight coming up or I'm going to run a marathon. But for me, I'm just training for life, right? And 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 that that my the injuries have always happened that last little bit. So if yeah, you know right. if you if you just kind of back off a little bit and you can't be you don't want to be at the best shape. You're it's going to be your last time. Is it you can you can operate at about eighty percent year round. That's my opinion. But you know you're peaking for a fight. You've been around the fight game a lot. You. You, you know, you, you know uh, UFC fighters, and you, you know, man, when a guy steps into the ring to, for that night, he's usually pretty beat up, and he wouldn't be able to sustain that same level of training ongoing. It's like he's peaked for this one event. Yeah, and this goes back to, you know, this idea of, you know, we condition to become fit. And when we're fit, we're able to exercise, and exercise is going to optimize our health. But we first have to condition our body so that we're fit enough to exercise in a way that's going to, we're going to reach the training effect. We're actually yes. going to benefit from the exercise to enhance our health. So the slippery slope is the conditioning. You know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to go through a conditioning program where on the tendon and ligament level, our cartilage, our cardiovascular capacity, our, he has an interesting phenomenon. It's, uh, it, you ever play basketball competitively? So, I, I have. So, let's imagine it was, no. it was it was you and I, okay, and a friend of ours who played competitive high school basketball. 
You know who's going to rupture their Achilles tendon? The it's guy good. who played competitive basketball. Because his his nervous system remembers the jump shot, but his Achilles tendon forgot. See, our nervous system doesn't remember the jump shot because we never did the jump shot. So my nervous system isn't going to fire off the jump shot because I've never done it. So, so we don't necessarily put the ball in the hoop. We don't have that skill either. But our friend who has not played in a few decades, his nervous system is hardwired mm-hmm. for the jump shot. Mm-hmm. But his soft tissue forgot, and his bones might have forgotten as well. So, you know, it's so funny because you've seen it and I've seen it. You know, the biggest scare as a martial arts instructor, the thing we have to look out for is we got that 40-year-old guy that played football in high school uh, or maybe martial arts in high school or something, and he, he comes back in and, and he still thinks he's 20 years old. And, you know, that's the guy that's cruising for an injury for that very reason. His body, he's, he's still got explosive, but, 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 you know, he hasn't maintained that level of fitness. Well, when it comes to martial arts and fitness, for me, it used to be – and. You alluded to it as well when you're talking about going to self-defense destruction class. It used to be martial arts, then health. Excuse me, martial arts, then fitness, then health. And as I've aged, I've totally reversed the order. And that, you know, it's like yeah, health first, right? Uh, then fitness. And I don't use martial arts. I train today, okay? I, uh, you know, but I don't use martial arts for exercise. I exercise so I can do martial arts. Would you kind of ex- maybe explain to the audience, because I know you, you, know, you have a similar mindset, what exactly that means to you? Yeah, that, that, look, if, if we're doing this for self-defense reasons, if we're doing this to, for self-preservation, self-defense to protect ourselves, we, we need to take a long look at what that actually means and, and the likelihood of us encountering uh, someone who's going to assault us in a dark alley. Like, I, I don't hang out in dark alleys. I really, I never did. You know, I, I've never frequented a dark alley. And I'm not saying that, that there aren't dangers out there. Dangers exist. We could be assaulted at any given time. But those, those, the statistical likelihood of those things occurring are far lower than all of the other challenges we face, particularly as we age. Mm-hmm. So, so things that are good for us, like a diet, a healthy diet, and adequate rest, and and uh, and training our brain, in my by my estimation, in my estimation, are are higher on the hierarchy of needs and significance and importance than a left hook. You know, so but yeah. I but I love throwing a left hook. I don't I don't dislike uh, the nature of physical martial arts training, and I like to be able to protect myself in a situation where I need to protect myself physically or protect my kids, etc. But I don't want to do that at the cost of my health. Yes, absolutely. And you know what's interesting is that. Uh... Uh, what you say on that is it, and we've both known people like this that that uh, you know. I had this one friend, and, and I'm sure I've shared this story with you, but uh, you know, who's a big time Filipino, you know, uh, FMA guy, and he's got, got blades all the time on him. And one time we're out to lunch, and he asked me if I'm packing, and I go, no. And he goes, what do you mean? You you don't you don't have a blade on you right now? I go, no, man. He goes, well, right, you could you never know, you know, you never know when you might need it. Don't you want to be able to defend yourself? And and I go, time out. I go. I go you know, you know what? So, what is your point of, of martial arts? Well, man, I want to be able to defend myself at any time. You never know, you know, when when you might have to defend yourself. Well, and, and what I explained to him it was, hey, man, 
the odds of you dying in a knife fight, that's not how it's going to go. And by the way, while he's having this conversation, he's having a doubled bacon cheeseburger. Yes. I right. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's like if you're really true self-defense isn't just defending yourself against the bad guy. It's against sickness, injury, poor health, uh, you know, all those things that go along with it. And, and then, yeah, I, I had an interesting year. You know, I, as you know, I, I got involved with EMS, emergency medical services at the, at the start of COVID and, um, you know, heart attacks and strokes and uh, diabetes related illnesses uh, or, or metabolic illness uh, is at the top of the heap, you know, including COVID. Like, I, I'm here to tell you, I can't kiss and tell because of HIPAA laws as to specific individuals, but I can tell you that um, I'm, I'm working at two ends of the spectrum, martial arts, which is prevention, and EMS, which is, it's almost too late. You know, hopefully we're going to save this situation because in the, you know, according to the ideas of triage, uh, we need to get you to the hospital in a hurry. And most of those issues are metabolically related. So, and a lot of them could have been avoided with a different lifestyle. Is that fair to say? Yes. But, and, and then we go back to this, is, is I'm a big advocate of martial arts and I'm a big advocate of exercise, but up until now, like this very moment, I've not found a way to out-exercise a poor diet. Now, if you asked me that 20 years ago, I would have said otherwise because sure. I had a different metabolism. Yeah. But but I really believe that, like, let's take Gracie Jiu-Jitsu for example, you know, as an example. Um, I'm in a big believer of the fact that the diet is is of more value. My apologies. The no worries, man. Is of more value than the jujitsu itself. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think I think they have in they they integrate beautifully. In other words, it got. I was just going to caveat to anybody listening. This is jujitsu practitioner. Uh, you love jujitsu. Yeah, it's not a matter of that. It's not me too. So that's not you've been doing it a long twenty five years. So it's sure. it's not a matter of yeah or, or longer. Yeah. Sure. So but, I, I get it. But almost every one of the direct family members. They, they all tend to say if they had to choose one over the other, they'd pick the diet. Now, now here's the good news. You don't have to pick. Right, right. You don't have exactly. to pick. You get to have them both. But, but nutrition is uh, the, the value, the importance, the significance. It can't really be overstated. It's yeah. it's, and, it's and, and you said better. it. You nailed it. When you're young, you can get away with stuff. You know, like I, I, uh, I speak often with college levels, college age students, and and uh, uh, and uh, I recently was giving a discussion, and there was a bunch of people in their early twenties, and the comment is, "You guys can eat whatever junk you want, and not sleep much, and you're probably okay." But those habits you have now, you're not going to be able to get away with that in fifteen years. And so, why not establish the right habits now that are going to be with you? Because yes, you know. Right. It, you know, and because it really, I'm amazed by the disconnect really smart people have by, you know, what they put in your their body and their level of overall health and success and happiness. It's it's really remarkable. And, and you know, I don't think either of us are advocating for perfect. And everybody's got a different idea 
of, of what a perfect diet is. But, you know, some basic guidelines is, you know, stay hydrated, drink lots of, you know, I mean, uh, clearly drink lots of water, eat lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, try not to overeat, you know, uh, intermittent fasting is probably a good idea. And if you like chocolate cake, have it. Just don't have it very often and have smaller pieces, right? I mean, just exercise moderation. That that samurai phrase is chuyu deari. And chuyu deari roughly translated means moderation, variety, and balance. And it's a really good look way of looking at anything, but specifically diet, it works great. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Like, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a. I, I'm not an expert in nutrition. But a couple things that I realized is I, I was eating all of the right things, but I was also eating a lot of the wrong things. Mm-hmm. So it, it it and that's and some for some people they're only eating the wrong things and and that's not starvation, but it's malnutrition. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between starvation and malnutrition. Like in our country right now, there's a tremendous amount of malnutrition but it's not starvation it's juvenile obesity it's it's people are getting food but they're not getting nutrition and it's it's vitally important like if we added i i i said earlier that i used to be able to get away with it but i've had a paradigmatic shift in that thinking is that um we all have pre-existing conditions that like if yet all conditions are pre-existing <laughs> if, we, if we if we if we think that through, we all have pre-existing conditions, and that that what that means in the way I'm saying it is, um, you probably have a condition that doesn't yet exist, but it it might sh- it might show up, it might rear its ugly head if we're not careful. So again, that's that's not to be paranoid and to live in fear and to you know to to avoid living life to its fullest, but this idea of pre-existing conditions I think is an interesting one and to just honor and respect the possibility that we might be at stage zero but stage one is next stage two is after that then comes three and four and when you're at stage four you've got a serious problem on your hands so it's better to mitigate at stage zero where where it's truly a pre existing condition but not yet manifesting itself so I, I try to honor that and I feel like I'm being disrespectful to the people who I come across on the ambulance by not walking my talk I, I want to be an example I want to I want to uh, project and respect what I expect out of other people that's in their own best interest. But if I don't project it and respect it, I feel like a hypocrite. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, 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 uh, you know, we all know, almost everybody knows what they need to do to get to the next level, whether it be in relationships, business, health, fitness, martial arts. We, you know, most people know the answer. It's in the doing that's hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what motive, what motivates you to take action in the right, the right action, you know, cause you're a busy guy. You got a lot of stuff going on. You've done some amazing things, you know, but you, I'm sure you suffer with, you know, you know, wanting to be a little lazy and not do stuff. How, how do you, you know, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning to do all the things you got to have make happen over the course of the day? So it always goes back to, we know this, but it, it goes back to a powerful enough reason why, you know, you have to have powerful reasons or a powerful reason. There's got to be something compelling, whether it's a reason or reasons. Like, you know, like my top three unapologetically are Karina, Kalissa, and Kirkson. 
you know, like, like I'm, I am competing right now. I'm competing against my lower self with my higher self to walk my daughters down the aisle like 50 or 60 or 70 or maybe 80 years from now. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I want to, I want to be there for my kids and, and that, and that's a quantity issue, mm-hmm. but I, I, there's no guarantees of that, but I also want to ensure the quality issue and for the quality issue to exist, I have to be at my best. Mm-hmm. So, so when I'm, when I'm negotiating with myself in the morning, whether or not I'm going to honor the alarm clock, the opportunity clock, I, I often think about my kids. I think about the example that I set for them. They're always watching. Um, my conscience is always watching. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a bunch of people in my Dunbar number of, say, 100 to 150 in my direct sphere of influence who, whether it's a mistake or not, they've, uh, they've decided to be receptive to my influence. Mm-hmm. And I want to take that more seriously. So that's leverage. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to do things. And, and quite frankly, uh, I'm an addict. I'm a junkie. I'm a, I'm a complete and utter junkie to the uh, training effect, to what happens to my biochemistry in the way of endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, uh, those are the good ones, but I like a dose of adrenaline here and there, a lot natural. So I am biochemically addicted to the training effect. So, you know, it, it, I'm often pulled to my athletic training, to my physical training, to my martial arts training, rather than pushed. The, the biochemical addiction that I'm glad to have uh, often pulls me to it. Not always. Not always, yeah. but, but that's where we have to go back to those those reasons why that we're deeply emotionally connected to. We all have them, but it's a matter of you know what you're going to allow to re- you know win that battle of mind over mattress, for example. Yeah, and I think, and I think using that, I mean, using your family and what's important to you as, as motivation is so powerful. I know my cousin. Uh, he uh, started chewing tobacco when he was about 12 years old and, uh, you know, could not stop, tried a bunch of times, you know, and had, a, you know, apparently something wrong with his mouth. The doctor said, you keep this going, you're going to have, you're going to have a uh, lip cancer or whatever you're doing, you know, your, your, your face is going to rot away. He's basically saying he couldn't stop, uh, had a child. And when the baby was about four years old or that now, you know, a young, a young boy looked up at dad when he finally realized he'd heard it was bad and said, dad, are you going to die from this? I wish you'd quit. Cold turkey, boom, done. Sure. He never yeah. even he never even looked back. You know that was it. Like it wasn't even hard for him after that. You know it's powerful, it's powerful uh, reason why. Yes, yes. And so, so I mean, I mean, uh, my advice to those guys that are are, are you know want to be here with the routine and they're they're here. They're not where they want to be. Is you start small, man. You know you you know first off you make sure you have a compelling reason why, and and so the reason to do it is stronger than the reason not to do it. And then. You know, set yourself up for success. How many times have you seen somebody that made their goal so unrealistic that, of course, they were going to fail, you know, by, yeah. by small incremental, uh, you know, growth over time? Yes. I, I, you know, we, we certainly set ourselves up for failure by, you know, I, like it's, I use the, uh, the it's easy to remember is uh, 666. Like that's, a, that's a number that we all are familiar with, perhaps. And uh, that's, you know, six hours a day, six days a week for six weeks. 
you know, that's, that's maybe getting ready for, uh, you know, a, a woman wants to wear a particular dress at a wedding or at an event or going on vacation or a, a guy's getting in shape. Maybe it's a, a training camp. You know, 666 doesn't necessarily mean satanic and demonic, metaphorically. But when it comes to exercise, recreational, for the purposes of optimizing health, six hours a day, six days a week for six weeks isn't going to cut it. That's not a lifestyle. You know, that's an event. So it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Like six hours a day is an Olympic athlete. No, right. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's not going to make you healthy. It might make you fit. You know, one thing that really helped me is to understand training in reverse. So, again, let's let's just quickly go over a, the model of, say, jujitsu training. You know, one model is this. Let's go with the four Cs. The big C is conditioning. The whole thing is a conditioning program, mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, strategically, et cetera. Uh, but phase one of the conditioning program, let's call coordination. That's our ability to move left, right, up, down, back, front, and get out of our own way. Level two is cooperation. In order to really learn the moves, if we learn them against the person who's 100% offering us resistance, good luck with that. Yeah, right. So there's a phase of training that's almost purely cooperative. It's ironic that a lot of the systems call the cooperative exercises combatives. I always found that to be a, an interesting paradox that they call the cooperatives combatives. Because yeah, combatives are always 100% cooperative. Maybe it maybe it's a it makes people feel comfortable to call them that. But they're certainly the cooperatives. And then we have a a third phase. Of, of from coordination to cooperation to what you and I think call uh, coopetition. Mm-hmm. And coopetition is where you're my classmate, not my competitor. And you're certainly going to hold me to a very high standard as you hold yourself to a high standard. But it's done in the spirit of mutual benefit and gain. Now, there's another level called competition. And that could be a tournament. It could be a, a fight in a cage. It could be a a match on a mat, it could be a, a fight in a ring, et cetera. It could be a whole bunch of things. But if we just look at the first four, circling them with conditioning to cooperation, to coordination, to cooperation, to coopetition, we train in that order. When you come into a, a jiu-jitsu class, you actually train in each training session in that order. Mm-hmm. You warm up with some drills that are designed to to prepare you and build your coordination, whatever they are, like whether they're calisthenics or single action movements, et cetera. And then we graduate to the cooperation phase where we find out real quick whether or not we've sufficiently gone through the coordination phase. We know in both our, our own actions and our partner's actions where our deficiencies in coordination lie in our inability to cooperate, or in our ability to cooperate. In other words, you and I, if we do a drill, the quality of that drill is largely a function, not only how well we cooperate, but it comes down to how coordinated each of us are. Okay, now we go to the coopetition phase. It's largely our success in that phase is largely a function or a consequence of how well we cooperate. The problem is this, is sometimes we forget that when we start the next training session. See, we train this way. If you and I wrestled first, if we did Randuri first, I'd find out right away 
the drills, the cooperative drills that I really need to do because my moves are terrible. Your moves were great and mine were terrible. So I have to drill more moves, hence cooperation. While drilling those moves, I come to an awareness that I can't get out of my own way. Then I'd have to go back down to the coordination phase. I might even realize that I can't even get past the coordination phase. I am not even physically fit enough to do the exercises specific to jiu-jitsu. So we learn it forward, but we understand it backward. That's really I, good. It, it, I, for me, it's made all the difference, and, and I try to look at my life that way. When my dad was dying and he was a quadriplegic, he, he, his wisdom exceeded his years. And he was a wise man to begin with. But it is amazing what happens to a person's brain, to their psychology, to their emotional strength, uh, to their wisdom, to their counsel, uh, when, they're, when they're facing absolute and positively unavoidable death. And my dad had the opportunity to bestow a tremendous amount of, you know, what he's learned. And a big part of that was, you know, if he had it to do over again, the ways in which he would have approached his life. And, and, and it's embodied in that, in that coordination, cooperation, coopetition, and those rare instances that where we actually have to go out there and scratch and claw and fight for our lives. So good stuff, man. Yeah. And yeah, so applicable, so many different areas. And, and that's one of the cool things about training and any style can do it. The thing about jujitsu that makes it kind of unique to other stuff is that, uh, you know, it's hard to kickbox every day, even light, you, you know what I'm saying? But you could, yeah, exactly. You can only take so many blows, but you, if you have the right training partners, you can do that. You know, you can, once you get that past that initial understanding that what you said just the stage you went through you know the quick conditioning and then the coordination uh yes. all of a sudden you can do it relatively safely and you're getting real feedback on how things are going and 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 then you you know how many times uh i was training with a guy a couple of days ago it's going through kind of a challenging time and and i was working real hard to, to finish a technique and i didn't quite finish that technique and uh, he got out of it and when we were done he goes man that was so good i you know i was able to i'm kind of able to apply that uh, uh, like, oh, man, you know, I can fight through stuff. And there's so many lessons that come from that. Uh, uh, and, uh, well, I, I want to be respectful. value in the struggle. Yeah, there's absolutely. Struggle. You know, if, if, if I walk out of the training session feeling like I, you know what, I don't need to take a shower. Um, you know, if I had hair, it, it wouldn't be messed up. It wasn't quite a training session. Yeah, absolutely. I like for the, I like for the training session to include some struggle that could easily be perceived by the outside observer as failure, yeah. but it's not failure. Yeah. That, that struggle leads to success. Absolutely. And, you know, in this day and age, in the 21st century, it's so easy to, uh, you know, get by without having to really apply yourself. Right. You know, and, and, Until and it's so not. Until and, it's not. bingo, bingo. Yep. And so our ability to kind of embrace challenge, embrace a grind in a healthy way, you know, through training, through whatever it might be, you know, uh, uh, physical training or martial arts or fitness, whatever it is, man, that just prepares you for everything else. So uh, I want to be respectful of everybody's time here, and and uh, and uh, I, I I'm going to have to have you come back on the show again because we you and I could talk for hours, or I could listen for hours. I, uh, I closing thoughts for uh, that someone could take, like like you know. What's, uh, if I wanted to get to the next level, what are some basic things that you would tell me that I should start working on? 
you want to think about your circle, the people who you surround yourself with. And and you want to think about two things is, is one is who you're surrounding yourself with. And you also want to think about what you bring to the table. I, I think those are two important questions is, is, you know, who, who am I associating with? Who do I surround myself with? Who's influencing me and who am I influencing? And, um, you know, you certainly don't have to limit yourself to just martial artists. You know, that can that can make you somewhat lopsided and uneven and imbalanced. But uh, specific to the martial arts, like, I, I, you know, it's there's no secret. Like, your influence in my life through ProMac and through Ascend and Mr. Chamberlain, Mr. Chamberlain's direct influence, and not only yours and his, but the whole entire Kovar Satori organization. Um, that is a relationship that I hold near and dear to my heart. And, you know, it's, it, you don't, you don't need to go through a hazing process to join, you know, you don't have to be a prospect. You don't have to, you don't have to make your bones. Um, you guys really, and I, I mean this sincerely is, is it's a, it's a, a low barrier of entry. And that's important because yeah. we have no excuses. So I, I, I recommend that. I recommend getting involved with it, with your organization um, or a similar organization that is going to provide you with the level of thinking necessary so that you can overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Very cool. Good stuff. And and uh, I, I, I wanted to just take a moment and, and uh, you have a podcast. What's the name of your podcast? The uh, Martial Arts Professional. And, uh, and where where would I find it? We're on Spotify, and I do that with uh, Professor Peter McHugh. So that's the martial arts professional. Um, we go over some nuts and bolts procedural tactics for running a martial arts school effectively, uh, much of which I've learned directly from you and through you. Well, thank you for that, Betty. So if people wanted to hear some more of your mindset, they could go further for that. And I, I promise if you will have me to come, have you come back and do this again. I appreciate your time as always. Thank I appreciate you. your friendship and thanks for the wisdom. And, and we are going to wrap it up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Archie.